fight the price increase blues. Subscribe to Marvel Comics at only 65 cents per copy. A 13-issue subscription will be yours for only $7.75. On the newsstand, you'd pay $9.75. For a limited time only, you can use the coupon below worth a 21% savings. Remember, a newsstand price is currently 75 cents, but with this offer, you only pay 65 cents per copy. The more you order, the more you save. Offer expires May 31st, 1986. Welcome, dear listener, to our podcast, Jeff and Rick present Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Where we journey through each issue of the most underrated Marvel series of the 80s while drinking beer. Analyzing awesome and amazing adolescent adventures and absorbing alcohol. I am Jeff. And I am Rick. Got a random, got a banter, random banter before the show is done. Random banner time, buddy. Tell me a tall tale of tantalizing topics. I'm not placing it. What's it from? Russian doll. Oh, God, it is. Yeah, you'll hear that a variation of that for That's a lot of think right. pianos. That's right. Yeah, think a drug idol man yes, singing about. Yes. Finished off Russian doll uh, a little while ago, and I've been holding that little intro in the old pocket for a bit. So Very well done. <laughs> My random enter is this last Monday, there was an in-service day for Carrie's school, so I took her to the Kids Comic Studio at Comics Cave in Portland, Oregon. It was like a three-hour class mm-hmm. where she sat around with some other kids and a artist who does comic strips, and they worked on comic strips for a few hours. Oh, that's really cool. Is it a... I'm going to assume it's a local comic writer or... Um, I cannot remember her name. Okay, it's or was it just like an art teacher? Or? She she does this. She she's got this class kind of set up that does every other every other Saturday, I believe okay. it is. But it, it's a really cool class. It's set up at comic right in the comic book store. Comics gave they got a little area off to the side where they set up a big table and the kids just come and do art. And she helps run it with them and she helps teach them about storyboarding, about how to set up panels, and okay. kind of walks them through the process and they do some jam sessions where they pass around a story and each yeah. person does a panel and okay so carrie had a lot of fun and oh I that just, sounds really cool yeah i just dropped her off and took my little laptop over to the nearby <laughs> uh cafe had a couple of chai lattes and got a lot of editing done on one of our podcasts <laughs> good parenting and good podcasting good job yes yes i try my best yeah. if anybody wants to find out more about it they can look up these classes at www.com comiccavepdx.com and then click on the classes link. It's pretty nice. I, I highly recommend it. Plus, it's a nice little comic book store. It's up in uh, St. John's. Okay. Comics Cave in Portland. Check it out. Go to the uh, Comics Cave. Yes, go to Comics Cave. How about you? I'm quite happy because I'm unofficially halfway through into the Spider-Verse. Huzzah? Yeah, unofficially halfway through with Hillary because we got to watch it while Hillary's awake, but Aurora's sleeping. Not the other little, way around. No, not the other way around. So that's the the plan, is that we'll do that while just the baby's sleeping and the adults are awake. And apparently, according to that schedule, it rarely happens. Yeah, so that's why I'm unofficially halfway through. Notice I'm saying unofficially. So how'd you enjoy Into the Spider-Verse? I've watched it like two or three times. It's great. I really love it. (laughs) It's really, really great. Yeah, so unofficially. I need need, need this on the down low, okay, everybody? (laughs) Don't worry. Only 150 to 200 people are going to hear this. Okay, and they're spread around the world, so... Huzzah! Huzzah! <laughs> uh, oh, but here's the really cool thing. I found an Easter egg on the uh, Blu-ray disc. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Which is awesome because I love blue, uh, I love just hunting for Easter eggs on yeah, DVDs yeah. and stuff like that. Uh, always super stoked about it. Have not found one in forever. Cool. What, what's this one? If you uh, go over to the far right on the menu, you know, uh-huh. like the menu screen, it's uh, the uh, special features section. When you're on that, push up and a little Miles Morales uh, Spider-Man icon will pop up. And it takes you to the Easter egg. And I can either spoil it for you or I can let you figure it out. Find well, considering out what it is. you have my copy. Yeah, that's very true. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, it just uh, it says, meanwhile, in another universe. And it shows, you know, it's like three minutes. And it shows little clips from the cartoon. Mm-hmm. And uh, they just replace, like, some dialogue with farts. <laughs> so when Uncle Aaron is teaching him the, you know, the shoulder touch, he's like, all right, what you got to do? You go see this girl in school tomorrow. You walk up to her. You put your hand on her shoulder. And you go. <laughs> And he's like, 
really? Does that work? He's like, trust me, it works. It's science. He's like, so I just put my hand up on her and I go, and he's like, no, man, no, no. You put your hand on her shoulder, you go. So it's just various scenes of the movie with farts in it. So it is, it is stupid as I'll get out, but it's, it's funny. How did you, uh, watch the movie all the way through to the very end? Yeah. Yeah. And then you saw the spider ham. Spider ham. Yeah. That is awesome. I really like the fact that he's like, Oh my gosh, I hope I'm not pulled into an alternate dimension where I'm not seen for 52 minutes. (laughs) And yeah, yeah. And that's about right. And then of course the very, the, the teaser at the very end with uh, Spider-Man 2099. Oh yeah. That was pretty great. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, No, that it's a, that is a fantastic movie and yeah. Watching the bonus material stuff on that and everything and seeing like uh, the guys who did it going, we want, you to be able to just stop it at any point and have it look like a piece of art and they did it yes. everything in that looks amazing yeah super good jeff can you please give us a two sentence replay of the last episode alex learns the valuable lesson that if you complain about how dumb the upcoming valentine's school dance is to your girlfriend allison that really wants you to ask her to it that you won't have to worry about going because she's going to dump you and start hanging out with your school rival the on the nosely named johnny rival and go sledding with him on suicide hill To recover from this Alex-shaped tragedy, the powers pick Franklin Richards up from the Avengers Mansion to join them for their own sledding fun, which Franklin keeps interrupting by trying to tell them stuff about something, but also that Allison and Johnny are gonna die in an icy lake sled crash, which prompts Alex to first stupidly chastise Allison until he finally gets his head on straight and saves them from their cold, watery doom, thus gaining back his girlfriend and embarrassing his rival. Now that the, oh yeah, Franklin was trying to warn them that snarks were hunting them the entire time, but because they wouldn't listen, Power Pack gets captured at the end of the issue, thus ensuring that they have front row seats to the Snark War storyline. Two sentence replay is over. Why don't you give me a beer and tell us what our Power Pack pick is? My pleasure, my friend. And for those of you playing the home game, I had to do a lot of editing there because that's a lot of words. Yeah, Yeah, they're they're kind of run on sentences. (laughs) I am glad that you spent that time doing it. And because of that, I am going to bequeath upon you a queenly reward. Ooh. I present to you Game of Thrones, Queen of the Seven Kingdoms by Brewery Amagang. Wow, that's cool looking. Yeah, that's the uh, Game of Thrones Royal Reserve Collection. Yeah, the Game of Thrones branded uh, beers that have been coming out. They've been doing whiskeys and beers and mm-hmm. everything. They're like, we're in our last hurrah, so let's cash that ticket. Cash it in. Cash it. Take that stamp with ka-ching, our brand and stamp ka-ching, it. Ka-ching. We are going to print money by putting it on bottles. <laughs> Yeah, it's a sour blonde ale blend, and the story time on it is a beer for Cersei, who reminds us that everyone who isn't us is an enemy. An exquisite blend of sour ale and Belgian-style blonde ale. (laughs) Yep, Queen of the Seven Kingdoms is fitting for the fair-haired ruler who is acerbic as they come. And this is a 6.4 ABV. Okay, so not too bad. Not too bad. Yeah, and then uh, we've been having some heavy ones lately with like 10s and 11s and 12s even, I think. But yeah, that's going to be interesting. And what was that loud cracking noise? Did you... That was a fantastic noise, though. Yeah. So why did I choose this? Uh, Let's see, because Queen Marad is involved with this one. And it's a war for the Seven Kingdoms. And it's the beginning (laughs) of the Snark Wars, which is however many Snark queens there are with their high Snarks and all the different clans are going to go to war. I would say two of those three things is correct. I don't think there really is the Seven Kingdoms. Okay. But well, it's the equivalent thereof. It's the equivalent thereof. And then otherwise, we're going to have a sour because sour is what Julie and Alex are to each other throughout this entire issue. <laughs> yes, you are correct there too. I would also say that there is a little bit of an honor too because by the time we're recording this, the last season of Game of Thrones is coming out and it's going to be starting. So... You know, a little bit of a cheers for that. Yeah. Honestly, I didn't plan that. It just happened to fall that way. <laughs> All right. So we have a, a kind of amber type of color. Yeah, it's hazy. It looks like a half. It's uh, quite bubbly. Well, it's not super bubbly. Uh, it's got a lot of head on it. It's got uh, a decent amount of bubbles. It smells It smells a little sour. You yeah. Can, yeah, you can really smell that. I've been drinking a lot of sours lately for some reason. So it's a sour ale with a Belgian style blonde ale. It's an interesting mix. I've had tartar. Yeah, not by much. I can. <laughs> no, that's actually not too bad. It, the very front end is like I'm tart, mm-hmm. and then it really hits that Belgian ale flavor really, really hard, and then it kind of has like a around the tongue kind of lingering tart. But it's it's not bad. No, it's not bad at all. But yeah, that really has it minor tart, but really hits the Belgian ale. Yeah. No, I I kind of like it. It's it's uh it's definitely a, definitely acquired taste on this one. Yeah. This is. Hmm. We'll have to see as the hour progresses what I'm feeling on it. No, for now, not bad. Opening credits. Power Pack, issue number 23, June 1986. Missing. Credits. Writer, Luis Simonson. Penciler, John Bogdanov. 
Inker, Bob Wycheck. Letterer, Joe Rosen. Colorist, Christy Scheel. Editor, Carl Potts. Editor-in-Chief, Jim Shooter. Featuring Power Pack, Alex Power, a.k.a. G. He does Gravity. Julie Power, a.k.a. Lightspeed. She does Flying. Jack Power, a.k.a. Massmaster. He does Molecular Density. Katie Power, a.k.a. The Energizer. She does Energy. Franklin Richards, a.k.a. Tattletail. He does a lot. Kofi, the chameleon alien who can teleport. And Friday, the smart ship that takes them places. Guest starring Emperor Bacha, the dying emperor of the Snark Empire. Queen Maraud, power-hungry Snark clan leader who is trying to find her son so he can steal Power Pack's powers and maneuver her clan into taking over the Snark Empire. Jim Power, the power's father who has a recovering wife and a pack of children who have powers, but he does not know about the powers and he doesn't know where they are. And the Fantastic Four, Franklin's parents, Reed and Sue, his uncle Johnny, and the She-Hulk. Let me paint an opening scene for you. The North Pole. The frozen tundra. The land of cold and endless days. The land of the ice and snow. With the midnight sun where the hot springs blow. Your mind is like always tuned into a radio station, isn't it? Yeah, but it's a rather narrow band and the playlist is a little bit desolate. Probably as desolate as this Arctic scene laid out before us. You know... Except for the wrecked ocean liner and the spaceship. For such a young team, Power Pack has done some impressive planning in the past. Take this wrecked ocean liner. This is their cold storage prison that the kids have shoved two reptile-like beings in. Two really tough reptile-like beings. And now they are being forced to bring this snark ship full of snarks to this snark-holding icy prison. Just snarking great. The four kids have been confined on a snark rack. Their arms and feet bound by a snark device that is preventing them from using their snarking powers. The head of this kidnapping operation is Chancellor Hadge, the counselor to the Snark Emperor, and a secret toady to Queen Maraud, and she is not happy. Hodge sends a detachment of thermal-suited Snarks to retrieve Prince Jackal, the high Snark that attacked and was defeated by Power Pack back in issues 16 and 17. He was injured by a huge powerball that Katie set off, and was then placed on ice, hibernating the villain. Hodge has some fears about the damage that may have been done with the extended exposure to the cold. Ice, ice snarky, too cold, too cold. Whatever I do just seems to be an easy serve to you to make a song parody. Funny you should say that, because Hodge is serving up a cold threat of revenge against Power Pack if Jackal has died. The kids are keeping up a good talking game. A lot of their own threats about wait till we get down and we are monstrous and you better check yourself before you wreck yourself. But there's one kid who is not happy. Katie, she is not liking her role as a living weapon and her siblings seem to be using her as a threat. Down in the icy prison, the snark away team of literal red shirts are making their way past the boulder crusher sickle to the ice cube jackal, and he does not look too hot. Apparently being injured by a powerball and deep freeze is not what 9 out of 10 dermatologists suggest as a way of keeping clear and good skin. Up on the ship, the kids are really starting to understand how bad their predicament is. Not only are their powers repressed, but the snarks have nullified their magic costumes. Foot sputter foot. So, no powers and no communicating with Friday. Fortunately, Alex sees an upside to all of this. What's that? The fact that Allison can't see him like this. Wow, Alex has really gotten jaded to kidnapping if that is his takeaway from all this. Chancellor Hodge leaves them alone to check on Jackal, promising the trussed-up tykes that on Snark World, their powers will be taken and given to the Popsicle Prince. And with that, the Snark ship leaves Earth space and heads into the, the cosmos. cosmos. Meanwhile, back at the Powers apartment, home of the missing munchkins, Jim comes home to find that his children, who were supposed to be at the hospital, but never showed, are also not at home. Ringa, ringa. Perfect Allison is calling the apartment, looking for Alex as well. He did not show up for their, quote, study date, unquote. You know, you really don't have to do air quotes on a podcast. It helps to emphasize my vocal performance. Whatever. Back in the story, Jim is really worried. Meanwhile, on the edge of the solar system, home of the stars. Really? That's all you got? Home of the solar stars? Not better. The captured kids currently coexist in clear crystal cages, confidently constructed to keep the costume quartet confined, contained, but not quiet. True dat. While they can now costume on and use their powers, they're not able to contact Friday or affect the strengthened structures. But this does not stop Alex and Julie from continuing to keep on fighting. Julie keeps on sniping Alex with quips about showing off her perfect Allison and attacking the defenseless Johnny rival, which then sets off Alex. Jack is really tired of this ongoing arguing, and after he tries and fails to find some way out of the shell with his mist form, he turns to Katie to complain about the senior squabbling siblings, but Katie is really looking depressed. Not done, Jack. It's me. That thing keeps happening because I'm bad. 
Katie has once again internalized the insults tossed at her by the bad guys, and the arguing siblings are not helping. She truly believes that it is all her fault, and she starts to recite a litany of destruction that she has caused in their adventures. I don't know what's gotten into us, Katie, but it isn't you. I just can't figure out why Julie hates Allison so. I don't hate her. How can I hate anyone so perfect, especially when you always... I can't stand it! And during all of this, Katie, with Jack's help, figures out that while she can't disintegrate her crystalline cell walls, she can disintegrate the air within her crystal. And as she does so, an alarm sounds. Ringa, ringa. And Katie starts to suffocate. Yeah. The snarks are smarter than your average space bear, and they plan for this contingency. Hadge comes in and explains that the air in her crystal will cut off if she tries that trick again. She also brings in the thawed jackal. And he looks bad. Did they defrost him in the microwave too long or what? Yeah, his reptilian skin has a melted and molten cracked look. And as his body continues to heat up, his eyes slowly open, peeling apart with a green viscous liquid, and jackal screams with pain. Look at the pain! I burn as though the demons of Earth pursued me! Yeah! Jackal might have some PTSD when it comes to the Power Kids. And this isn't resolved when he sees them in a crystal cocoons, not 20 feet from where he's at. Jackal begins to wildly attack his rescuers in his attempt to get to Power Pack. The volatile, vindictive villain violates the vicinity with vicious, violent volleys. He grabs a piece of machinery, knocking aside lesser snarks, and tries smashing through Katie's cage. Hodge finally gets control of the situation and gets the guards to hold Jackal. She also explains that the pack needs to be alive so that their powers can be transferred to him in accordance with his mother's vision. This, of course, sets off Jackal. My mother! She sent me to Earth to face those monsters. She tried to kill me as surely as she's killing the Emperor. Everybody hears this little intrigue. Hodge, Power Pack, and the other guards. But after a little more arguing, Jackal passes out from pain after saying that his mother is not sane. Snark Pot meets Snark Kettle. Hodge sends the guards with the damaged Snark back into the infirmary, warning them to forget what they have heard. But guess who is not good at forgetting? The Power Pack Kids. They are now talking about what could be the outcome if a war of extension takes place and if Jackal is installed as the new emperor. Meanwhile, back on Earth... Home of the Sad Dads. You are not wrong. James is talking to the police. They take Dr. Power's information and the kids' photos and leave. Apparently, these guys have skipped sensitivity training at work because as they walk away, talking to themselves, they say that since this isn't parents snatching a kid or runaways, it could be something a whole lot worse. This does not sit well with James. His children are missing and he can't just sit there. He grabs his coat and runs out the door to look for them. And he fails to see Franklin Richards lurking around a corner of his front room. Little Telltale now also knows that the pack is missing. He was using his dream powers to spy on the scene. He wakes back up in his bed, and he starts to weigh some options. He suspects the power pack was taken by the spaceship he saw last issue, and he wants to tell his family about it. His family? Oh, you mean the ever-absent four? The Fantastic Flakes? Mr. and Mrs. never there for their super child. Are they even in town? Why, yes they are. Sorta. Sue, Reed, and Johnny are working with the She-Hulk to package Reed's equipment for a move to California. And as Frank sneaks into this area, they are all talking about Frank and his terrifying powers and what they should do about it and him if the need arises. Of course Frank hears this. And of course he walks away without talking to them because, man... I would not trust them either. Meanwhile on Planet Snark... Home of the Fighting Snarks. Well, yeah. The HMS Kidnapper has arrived with his cargo of powered pints, and the Power Pack crystals are soon placed next to Kofi's container. Remember, he was grabbed by Murad last episode. Kofi explains that they're all going to be used for an experiment. So at least they all get to be miserable together, and as we learn from the Thanksgiving special, that's the best kind of miserable to be. Hodge has informed Queen Maraud that they have been successful, and Hodge also finds out that it is true that the Emperor has been poisoned by the Queen. But instead of being a good subject and calling shenanigans on this traitorous terror, the Cheap Chancellor backs her Queen's play. Maraud inspects her quintet of captured kids, listing off the wrongs they have done her, starting with the wrecked cruiser and ending with her son. Now, as her damaged son crawls out to confront the queen, Maraud lays out her scheme. She's going to force the Power Kid's powers into her son's wrecked body. She made a deal with another race to construct a machine that will replicate the Chimillion power transfer. Jack remembers back to the first issue of the series, and repeats the warning that Whitey uttered when he gave the powers his powers as a threat to try to keep their snarky hands off them. 
You better not. When Whitey gave us his powers, he warned us. It might make us into maddened monsters or kill us. It made me into a monster. It made you into a crybaby, says you whiny boy. During these exchanges, Jackal has collapsed. He is in a horrible shape. His body is really turning on him, kind of like sour cream. Murad calls for Kofi's father, Ambassador Yurik, to be brought in. He too has been captured. Everybody's been captured, but he's also been imprisoned in a crystal, just like the others. He is quickly attached to this swapping machine, and Chancellor Hodge climbs into the adjoining capsule. She will be taking Yurik's healing powers. Not if Power Pack can stop this. How? The kids are trapped in the crystals, and they have no way to affect the situation. Au contraire, mon frère. You forget that Power Pack has two things on their side. One, Katie, who has been used as a weapon by everybody, including a god. Two, Alex, who has... No problem using his sister as a weapon, even though he's not a god. <sighs> you know, you're right, and when you're right, people tend to get hurt. And in this case, you are right. After Alex forcibly directs his reluctant and distraught sister to costume off, disintegrate her civilian clothes, and costume on again... Which is a very clever move. And then to blast a hole through the crystal. And it does not work. The glass is glowing with the trap powerball, but it didn't break. But you know what? I think Alex has planned for this, because he quickly yells out, Yo, Jackal! You thought you were safe, but look who's coming to get you! Well, that did the trick. The angry and aggrieved alien grabs a sidearm and shoots Katie. Shrekt! The crystal prison breaks, and the young child absorbs the laser. Rush! Infusion abounds, but we will try to restore some order. Jackal is tackled by another snark guard. Other guards try to throw an energy disruption net on Katie. Katie trips and lets off a powerball. Flam! Which conveniently smashes the other fourth crystals. Spio! And Power Pack is free. Which means Alex starts directing Julie and Jack to cover him while he destroys the converter. Woohoo! It's hammering time! That doesn't sound like covers what the monster mister has in mind, G. Do you think Jack is hoping to make them sweat when they see what he's giving them? I think he's legit. I think he's going to work hard, so they might as well quit. Well, you just stop? Hammer time? It. Well, while the other powers and Kofi take off to do whatever, Katie is on the ground in the sights of Jackal, who has thrown off three guards trying to restrain him. And he wants to kill Katie. Get away! Don't you see? Don't you understand? The Energizer is loose! She must be stopped! Her brain! What happens next is pure melee insanity. A squad of snarks come storming in, laser fires going everywhere. Kofi and the kids are all ducking and weaving, causing stray blasts to hit various snarks. All the while, Alex and Julie are still arguing. Wrecked. Wrecked. This has, like, been happening since the start of this issue, and it's really annoying. Julie is worried about Katie. Alex says she can handle herself. Julie says she's still a baby. Blah, 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 blah. Spew. Shrekt. And they are so busy arguing, they are not paying attention to Katie, who is pleading to not have to hurt anyone again, while continuing to absorb the lasers that Jackal is shooting at her. Julie, help me! Make him stop! This distracts Julie, and she gets stunned. Jack gets captured by a pair of vacuum bombs that funnel his body into two separate traps. Ouch, 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 ouch! While Alex yells at him to not go solid, no matter what. And finally, Alex gets tagged and stunned, leaving Kofi still free. His father quickly tells him to teleport away and warn others. Reluctantly, he does so, saying that he will be back. Poip. Now we have Katie and Jackal. Jackal's laser is out of energy, but Katie, overcharged and glowing like a sun, still doesn't want to hurt him and has tears streaming down her face. Jackal is furious and begins to advance on the little girl, threatening to slay her with his own hands. Stay back or I'll hurt you more! The reprehensible reptilian dives towards the Energizer, grabbing her by the ankle, tripping her to the ground, and causing the overpowered child to... Wham! And after the bright explosion dies down, we see Katie, still glowing, falling down a hole in a floor, and we hear Jackal proclaim... My hand! My hand! You've destroyed my hand! And we see Katie reenact a portion of Gandalf's Balrog fight as she falls. And falls. And falls. Until she slams into some water in an underground cavern. quack a -foom. Above, Murad is checking on her son and his withered, burnt, and sizzling hand. Dude is having a bad, bad everything. Wow, it hasn't been your day, your week, your month, or even your year. He just should never have met Power Pack. 
Hodge, still in the crystal, finally receives Ambassador Yurik's power of healing, and just in time, too. Yep, sure enough, Hodge hops out of the cocoon and starts healing up Jackal, singing, I'll be there for you. I cannot believe I let you set that joke up. And it seems to be working, something that Maraud gleefully points out to the captured power children. In the last panel, we see a lifeless body of Katie Power, face down in the water. She is surrounded by some strange creatures who apparently saw her fall. Fall from the sky to light our lives is broken. No life, no light. Why did Star visit us only to die? Next issue, When You Wish Upon a Star. And you wish upon a star. Makes no difference which, <laughs> which Katie it is. Makes no difference who Katie is. <laughs> Maybe she should be wrapped in the cover of the power pack packaging. <laughs> Once again, folks, I apologize, <laughs> because you may not have recognized it, but that was singing. <laughs> so, Power Pack Packaging, um, we have an issue here that is drawn by John Bogdanov mm -hmm. and Bob Wyacek. Mm -hmm. And thank you, thank you, thank you to our interview with Louise Simonson, because uh, she did say John Bogdanov's name, and we were able to practice it multiple times. <laughs> <laughs> And we're probably still getting it wrong. Uh, Bogdanov, we think. We think. So uh, this issue, we have... Oh, I wanted to point out, too... I don't know if we've mentioned this before, but uh, up in the upper corner, in the little box where you usually see the Marvel logo and, and the price and the issue number, there's the they usually have the kids up there. It's a little you know portrait of the kids, and you see them all using their powers. And I think it was this issue or last issue that they started having Franklin in the issue. I believe it's this issue, though. Usually it's just the four kids, but now they got Franklin in front of them, too. We have the Power Pack logo that's kind of in the background a little bit because we have Jackal, who is kind of obscuring the letter K. In one hand, he's holding the arm of... It looks like Julie's arms and the back of Jack's shirt, and they're both passed out. In his other hand, he's got Alex kind of splayed over backwards. He's passed out. There's kind of fire all around him. It uh, looks like part of a crystal shard that Katie's leaning up against. Katie's all powered up, and she is looking frightened as sin as the snark towers over her. We also have a little box that says cameo appearance by the Fantastic Four, which is once again a waste of space because who cares? The uh, four panels. It just once again showed that uh, Franklin can't talk to his family. Well, it's a little bit of the, hey, we want to go ahead and, you know, buy this book because <laughs> Fantastic Four shows up for yeah. a second. You're a Fantastic Four fan. You should buy this one. Be friendly. Yeah. I love this cover. It's, it's full of dread. It's full of fear. I mean, you get what this issue is about. Yeah, it's inaccurate in the sense that uh, Jackal did not capture anybody. In fact, he captured less of his hand than he started with. So, <laughs> But it does show that, yes, yeah. Power Pack is defeated. And the big bad of this, even though he doesn't do much in this one, I mean, the big fear is Jackal. Yeah. Well, yeah, and there's the fact, too, that he is he's kind of crazed right now. He had suffered a devastating defeat at the hands of the Power Pack kids yes. and then is just, you know, been ravaged by the cold. So he is just looking monstrous and he is basically like, you don't understand. We need to kill them. We don't capture them. They need to go away or we need to not be on Earth and be away from them because they are terrifying. I, I don't know if he's, it's more of a terrifying. I think it's just a flat out. He was beaten by them. He wants to kill them. Mm -hmm. He's not going to give them a chance. He's not going to capture. He wants to kill them. Well, since they're available, but yeah. if I don't think if he had been given the choice uh, to be like, OK, hey, we've got you. Go on back. Kill them. He might be like, you know, I think I'm good. I don't. I don't see him being afraid of anything. Okay. Well, he does. He talks about it in the issue where he's just like, you know, he basically is saying, "I am scared, but I am a high snark and I can't be, so I'm going to kill you with my bare hands." I like Jackal as a villain because yeah. he's kind of he is hate, he mm -hmm. is rage, he is a killer. Yeah, and uh, he slaps around other snarks pretty quick and easy. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, he's also the high prince too. Yeah. So yeah, there's probably that balance of like we're trying to detain you, but we can't hurt you. So yeah. <laughs> Um, speaking of this issue, though, I mean, we have got a real turn. The, the kids are captured. Yeah. They are not in a good way at, during most of this. Uh, during the end, they get kept, you know, they get away for a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, but the end ends badly. 
badly. I mean, all yeah. the kids are captured except for Katie, who has fallen down a hole, and it, it looks like she died. Yeah, she so, fell hundreds yes. and hundreds of feet yes. to a lake, she is, yeah. She is not in good shape. Yeah. So, my question to you is, uh, remember last issue when the stakes were losing a girlfriend? <laughs> Those were pretty high stakes. Pretty high stakes. Those were pretty high yeah. stakes. It's like, yeah, and, and the big reveal of that, the big twist of the end was like, I, I don't know how to dance, which is why I didn't ask you to the dance. Oh, <laughs> We have turned a corner all you in think? one storyline. I know. I like that, though. We've, we've gone from mundane, everyday kind of thing to, hey... This is a real thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and we've we've also got that the kids are kidnapped. Yeah, and actually, and successfully, too. Straight up kidnapped. They are missing. Their dad can't find them. And it's just, it's not good. Yeah, this isn't their standard kidnapping where they, you know, nobody notices they're gone. Right. Yeah, this is literally, where are they? Involving police, all of that. So it's going to be kind of curious at the end, you know, when they come back and it's like, what kind of splaining is going to be done? And I want to talk a little bit more about that missing thing a little bit later on but we get through mm-hmm. some other stuff first and then end up with yep. that we are in the snark war huzzah yeah this is the snark war this is kind of one of the pivotal parts of the power pack issues mm-hmm. that wheezy had set up in her run on power pack the big fight the big reveal the big snark wars in fact this leads up to issue 25 which i'm kind of preparing right now on the side mm-hmm. and it just keeps building it mm-hmm. keeps building it kind of started a little bit with last episode with the end of the snowball fight thing and and they get kidnapped at the end of there but it also was set up a little bit before then with issues 16 and 17 when they were fighting up against jackal and when they first put him on ice so this has been building for a while and it culminates in these you know three issues here so this is this is the big stuff it's a great multi-issue run and it's pretty cool and nothing is going to be the same for those of you who are following along who have never read power pack before this is a big changing point in the entire series Mm -hmm. remember it (laughs) <laughs> but in the midst of all this, we have uh, the siblings arguing. Yeah, we have them arguing a lot. And I think I think in part it's a carryover of the previous issue. Yeah. Where uh, you know, Julie is upset that Alex attacked Johnny Rival. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to just keep saying Johnny's full name because Johnny Rival is an amazing name. As you should. As yeah. you should. But just the fact that, you know, it's like Alex uh, G-bombed him, we'll just say. He, you know, he de-grabbed him and threw him onto the ground. Yeah. And Julie's like, just, you can't attack a, you know, a civilian, a normal, right. with your powers. You could really hurt them. Granted, it's a kid. He got he threw, threw him into a snowbank. <laughs> you know, who cares? But I also understand because that could be like, well, what's to keep me from throwing him from a building next sure. time? I could see how there's carryover from that and then also the fact that Alex is pretty jerky to, to Katie yeah. throughout all of this. And he's he's jerky to Katie. Yeah. He's jerky to Julie. The only one he's not really a jerk to is Jack. Yeah. Or Kofi. Yeah. But, you know, but at the same time, yeah. So it's, it's just, it, yeah. So they, it might just be along the lines, too, where they are so inured to kidnapping that or, or uh, it's going to take us. Let's change that. They're so inured to danger, mm. or this is the way that they're dealing with danger is just sniping at each other. Could be. But, yeah, it's. It's definitely weird. Yeah. They argue a lot. Yes. Like, you know, when Jack's like, I don't want to see them fight anymore because it's bugging me. Yeah. So Jack is trying to get out of here. Yeah, Jack. Jack, yeah. And he's also worried about Katie, too. He's yeah. like, okay, you know, I, I need to worry about you, too, Katie. But, Katie, you're also the one who's going to get us out yeah, of here. Yeah, we need you to get us out. But we're going to do it in smart ways, as opposed to Alex, who's like, do the thing. Shut up and do it. <laughs> yeah, because... That's what Alex does. He pushes Katie to use her yeah. power. Shut up, Katie. Fire Powerball. And, and she's having a really hard time with this. She is pretty wrecked yeah. throughout this entire thing. She, she is very back into the I'm a monster. I do horrible things. She started this back when she was fighting when she was fighting Jackal to begin with. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where she was starting to have her doubts about, you know, and she really does a lot of damage. She's had a lot of things go on between now and then. And yeah, to show it that it's correct, she basically almost destroys... Uh, Jackal's hand, and that is going to be something that was that's an accident, too. Yeah, that was an accident, yeah. but I mean, that's going to be something that carries over for a long time. Yep. So, yeah, she's she doesn't want to use her power, but she always has to use her power and she can't control it. And blah, 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 blah. Well, she can't, she can control her powers, it's just the aspect that you know, she's charged up and she gets thumped. Yeah, powerballs come she, out. She pulled, she powerballs out. Mm-hmm. And happens, it did, happens to me all the time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah except it's. <laughs> it's burps or other things from when I fall down. <laughs> and that's the thing, though. Jackal just charged her up. He was yeah. like, lasers aren't working. Maybe more lasers will. That's kind of the comic book way. Yeah. It's like, I'm punching this guy, but it's not working. Maybe if I rally and punch him more, it will. 
Or hey. it's a standard Cyclops thing where it's just like, I blast, I blast, that's not working. I blast, that worked. Actually, he usually comes up with other solutions. Cyclops it's, comes up with other solutions. Yeah, but, but, yeah, but, but there's a lot of that yeah. where you, you come up across uh, you know an undefeatable foe. You can't defeat him with your powers. So you use your powers and then defeat him. Right. Yeah, it's like, uh, all right, whatever. Let's move on and talk about Jackal Sanity. We touched on it a bit, but he probably was not the height of Sane to start with. No. No. Well, he was, to begin with, he was... A highly he was trained very, soldier. Very, soldier. Yeah, highly trained, but also very entitled. Also, literally more powerful right. because he is the high snark. Right. So he comes in first, like you said earlier, he came and he got dusted by the power kids yeah. before. And all of this happens now, and now he's got damage and pain. I, we, we joked about it in there, but it's not a joke, but PTSD. Yeah. Yeah, he's oh, got it. He's yeah. definitely got it. And there's the fact, too, he got uh, put into not just deep freeze, like deep, deep freeze, like Arctic cold. And not a, you know, medically controlled deep freeze. No, I mean, <laughs> no, just basically yeah, partially wrapped in neurofibers to keep him sedated and then just thrown into the hull of a ship next to a Xanthian boulder crusher. And it's just like what everybody's, you know, even the snarks are like... I don't know if a high snark could survive this. This is a lot. I also like the fact that when they went in and got him, they went by the boulder crusher yeah. and they're like, these kids captured that. Yeah. yeah. They're like, they're, they're, like, they're like, wow, we can't deal with one of these. <laughs> yeah. Just throw it in the Arctic. It's fine. Yeah. It's we could deal with this more, but yeah, we'll just throw our problems over there. <laughs> it's throwing your garbage over the hedgerow. I told, I said, we're going to get back to this and I think we should. Because this is the worst parents, mm-hmm. the worst parents nightmare. It's the yeah. child has gone missing. In this case, four children have got missing. This is kind of a cool issue, and it's something very interesting. Instead of a letter page on the back inside cover, uh, they actually have the pick of the pack, which is their power packs letter page. But instead of what they normally have, they have a special feature, and this is uh, written by Carl Potts. In this, and the next two issues of Power Pack, our story will touch upon the subject of missing children. Although our tale is fiction and takes place in an intergalactic space fantasy, the anguish of the families and friends of missing children is all too common in the real world. In an effort to make some small contributions towards solving a few of these cases, we now present photos and information of a few missing children. And and then they have four pictures of children and specific information about them being missing. And there is some additional information on the side, what to do if your child is missing. If you're a lost child, call 1-800-I-AM-LOST for free. And there's a special number if you're in New York State. And then there's to help prevent child abduction of all these rules. And all this is sponsored by Child Find Incorporated, which was in New York City at the time. All the information above is supplied by Child Find Inc. Please feel free to contact them for further information and literature on the subject. Child Find Inc. is now known as Child Find of America. And it's interesting to note that the phone number is still the same. If you are a lost child, you can call 1-800-I-AM-LOST and you can get connected to information to assist you, which I thought was very, very interesting and very, very personal and, and, and topical for this comic. I thought that it was a nice tie-in with what they're talking about in the book mm-hmm. and being able to present it to kids as part of what they're doing. And we talked about this a little bit with Louise Simonson when we were talking with her. And I'm hoping one day to get an opportunity to talk to Carl Potts about this too, because I think it'd be very interesting. What Wheezy told us is that she thinks, she doesn't remember exactly how this and then the other child molestation special issue that was Power Pack and uh, Spider-Man, how those things came about, but she thinks that it was Carl Potts that set them up. Hmm. And like I said, I, I really would like to talk to him more about that and how that all came about. But I thought it was very interesting, and I think it's a very good thing to bring up. Hmm. No, it really is. And uh, it makes sense on this because yeah, it, it it's public service, which is really great, and also it does really tie into the issue. On that note, let's go ahead and move to something a tad bit lighter. Then child abduction? Then child abduction. I want to break out the library card. All right. What do you got for us? I got something kind of fun and kind of interesting. It has always been of a challenge whenever I'm going through these books and trying to find a certain piece of literature in the books and something that ties in a story to a piece of literature I want to read or, or that I can t- somehow tie into the book. So I have a hard time with this one. But then on page four, I noticed something in the background. There was a poster from the Maltese Falcon. Specifically, it's a it's a poster showing the character Gutman, and it's got one of his phrases above it. It says, I'm a man who likes talking to a man who likes to talk. And it's got him sitting there. He's a very large man, and he's smoking a cigarette. You see the smoke coming up. And I noticed that, and I recognized it from being from the movie, The Maltese Falcon. 
which is a great movie. And I thought to myself, that would be fun to read for this issue. It has nothing to do with this issue, <laughs> except for the fact that there is a painting on the wall of Gutman. Now, it just so happened that as I was setting up this episode, we also were doing our interview with Louise Simonson. And I mentioned this to her. And I said, you know... Wheezy, could you talk about this? And she said that the Power Kids apartment was based upon her apartment that her and Walt had in New York City at the same time. And they took a bunch of pictures for establishing shots of how the living room would look. And that's what was used for the artist to draw the Power Packs living room. And in one of the pictures was this poster, so they included it in there. That poster was originally drawn by Walt Simonson, and Wheezy liked it, so he gave it to her, and it was on their wall at the time. Which is amazing. Which is fantastic. Mm -hmm. So it just kind of all interestingly ties together. But The Maltese Falcon, it was written by Dashiell Hammett, and it was a 1930 novel that was originally serialized in 1929. Probably one of the best examples of pulp detective noir mystery. Sam, Sam Spade is a street-smart gumshoe in San Francisco in the 1930s, there's a woman that enters his office and hires him and his partner to help her find her sister who ran off from New York. After Spade's partner is murdered and he convinces the woman to admit she was lying, the detective unravels a heist that involves a mysterious MacGuffin, multiple murders, threats, and a lot of money. This novel was the basis for three motion pictures. The most famous one, of course, being the 1941 Humphrey Bogart and Myrna Loy picture that was directed by John Huston. This film lifts most of the lines from the novel. I mean, it's pretty much a straight shot. I read the entire book, watched the movie. I'm like, wow, here's the screenplay right here. A couple of scenes are missing, but it's pretty straight out. Interesting, the most famous line is not in the book, and it's where Humphrey Bogart says, The uh, stuff that dreams are made of. But this line, for as famous as it is, was suggested by Humphrey Bogart. It really transformed what the Blackbird was from a mere MacGuffin and a plot device to what actually, you know, ran the entire movie and actually put the actual Falcon into a place above what the movie had it in. So it was kind of cool. Really moved and changed the movie. And I think he took that line from Shakespeare's The Tempest. He, he kind of took it from another line and kind of changed it a little bit. But it really worked and it really made it, made the movie in that piece a little bit something more. So that is my literary corner. Neat. And with that, I'd like to move on to the sub-sub-basement of Doom and Despair, <laughs> also known as Jeff's Science Corner. <laughs> There's no Doom and Despair. There's with, science and safety. With you, it is Doom and Despair. <laughs> In this issue, Jekyll gets revived from his long hibernation after being put into very cold storage by the powers and is much the worse for wear. Now this got me thinking. We don't have any real knowledge of how hibernation works with a snark, but we do have reptiles on Earth. So let's look at them. All reptiles and amphibians are ectothermic, or cold-blooded animals, relying on their environment for thermoregulation. That said, these animals have evolved and adapted incredible survival strategies to ensure survival when environmental conditions become unsatisfactory. One such adaptation is brumation. Brumation is a term used for the hibernation-like state that cold-blooded animals utilize during very cold weather. When a reptile bruminates, it becomes lethargic, sometimes not moving at all for the duration of the cold season. So, why do reptiles brumate? As ectothermic organisms, reptiles cannot raise their body temperature independently of environmental conditions, and as such, must contend with the conditions that nature presents with them. In the most basic sense, brumation is a survival tactic, a tactic that has been hardwired into the brains of these animals for over a million years. Brumation is an extremely trying time for all reptile species. Many wild reptiles that enter brumation never emerge in the spring. Sometimes the choice of shelter is a poor one, and when conditions become extremely harsh, these areas simply do not provide adequate protection. Other times, reptiles may enter brumation with an injury or an illness which would normally require substantial warmth and nutrition to heal properly. In the brumative state, these animals tend to succumb to their ailments. So, brumation is risky business for reptiles. It puts a great strain on their bodies, but one that is nonetheless necessary for the survival of the species. And that is this episode's Science Corner. Thank you very much, Jeff. I would like to go and brumate now. Yes, I had to hit up some uh, herptology sites for that. <laughs> You know where a good place to uh, brumate is? Where? The refrigerator. Oh, that would be a perfect place to brumate. It'd also be a good place to put your pieces of artwork. Let's talk about some artwork. Okay. What pieces of art on this book, on that brumerating refrigerator? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I do have two joke ones. All right. Well, why don't you do your first joke one, man? My backup joke is on page 22, and I call it Hot Hand Fallacy. And it is in the upper right-hand corner, and it is uh, Jackal Squirrel. 
screaming out a scream of pure despair as his hand is sizzling and just been disintegrated, you know, down to bone and sinew from Katie. Hot hand fallacy is fallacy that when you're on a successful streak, you can keep doing something. It's a basketball thing. Uh But uh, I just thought that that just fit this very well because he's got a hot hand and the fallacy was that he was going to kill Katie. That is the most disturbing, funny picture I've ever seen. Yeah, I know. It is horrible. It is quite disturbing. It's horrible. It is a great picture, but the art on it's great too. It just the art on it's fantastic. That was one of the things that stuck with me for like thirty years. Yeah, I remembered that hand. Yes, I did too. It yep. is very distinct. Mm-hmm. If you go to bottom of page eighteen, actually top of page eighteen, and I call this yikes. <laughs> yeah, I was looking at this one. This was on my list, but it didn't make the cut. Katie has shot this errant fireball that goes through and breaks out all of the kids from their respective crystals. And it bounces off Alex's and goes up. And you see Alex looking up. His hair is just going everywhere. <laughs> and his eyes are wide as saucers as he's like, oh, dear God, I almost lost my head. I saw that one. It was just like, yeah, it was all like, I made a mistake. I done a bad thing. <laughs> All right, what is your top one, my friend? My first place joke is on page 11, and I call it generic power set display. And it is right in the middle of the page, and it's when Franklin has gone to go tell his parents about his special dream, and it has She-Hulk holding a heavy box while the human torch is flying and burning in some information on the box, and Mr. Fantastic is stretching his arms out, you know, measuring another device, and Sue Richards is using her invisibility powers. Okay, now special, 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 special note on this. Sue is cutting up planks of wood to make the boxes to ship stuff, which this, uh, this entire scene makes no sense to me right. you just hire people no. to move stuff out but it is just an awesome thing she has got a, an invisible force field around the saw and the wood she's cutting and that's going to keep the noise down and all the sawdust just in her invisible force field ball and i'm like that's genius so that i'm like really so genius it's a joke just because it's the generic way of showing everybody's power set it's like this fantastic four and they do stuff look they use their powers but also the fact that man that's a great shop trick right there is just to collect all the sawdust exactly I, that's a very good call right there Mm-hmm. I'm going to move us all the way back to page 20, opposite the really cool house ad for Dakota North Investigations. Mm-hmm. Mine is the top right panel, and I call this James Dean, you're tearing me apart! <laughs> <laughs> and and it's, it's Jack, who is suffering the consequences of two vacuum bombs yeah. going off, and he's being he's split. Cloudy. He's being split between the two of them because he's cloudy. Uh, but I just, yeah, he's got this scream of pain on his face, but I'm just, I couldn't help but think of James Dean. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're disturbing on our, uh, some much, of our joke was this time. Pretty much, All right, tell me what you got for your uh, top ones. You know, you, you got a backup one here, right? Yep. My backup is on page 22, and I call it The Fall of Energizer the Gray. It's the bottom of the page, and it is uh, after Katie has messed up Jackal's hand and blown away the floor, and she's falling, falling, falling through the cavern and the the big tunnel that she made from her Powerball, and she's falling into a giant kind of like underground lake cavern. And it just, I just, uh, I don't know what it is. You know, fiery balls or stars or, you know, Gandalf the Grand, the Balrog yeah. falling. Just that scale thing of just this tiny speck of light falling into this giant underground cavern is just, that's always got a sauce part for me. So yeah, I'm like, plus, that's great. You see how painful this is. It, oh, she shouldn't, yeah. she should not be surviving at all. No, but she's a toughie. Mine is back on page 19 and I call this one the fight. It's the top panel of this page and it's just very cool because we see... Three of the four power kids and Kofi in the middle of a fight. We've got the phalanx of snark guards coming in, shooting off their lasers. You got Alex floating up, and he's picked up a snark, and he's going to throw him. You see Julie dodging out of the way of the lasers. Two snarks are going to tackle Kofi, and he teleports out of the way, and they smack into each other. One of the lasers is going through the clouded up form of Jack, and he's doing the yeah, 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 and the laser is going through him and hitting on the snark that was right behind him. It's just a cool action is, yeah. fight scene. Yeah, you see is. everybody kind of doing something. I like it. What is your top one? My first place one is on page 14, and I call it Look Upon My Face, or as Jack would say, Look Upon My Face. Oh, and yeah. this is... Uh, after he's been revived and he's kind of gone to a med bay and he's come back and the, you know, Murad's taunting the power children and saying, ha ha, I've caught you and I'm going to steal your powers and give them to my son. Ha ha. And uh, Jackal comes just shuffling out and they get this really awesome 
close up of his face and it's going over other panels and stuff. It's, you know, it's kind of, it's drifting over three other panels. It's in the center of the page and it's just a close up of just, it's just a headshot and it just shows all the detail and all the ravaging that uh, he's gone through. And it just, I'm like, that just looks amazing. It's, it's very specialized art right there. It's kind of funny that both you and I chose Jackal for our top ones. Oh, okay. Because yeah. I'm going to go ahead and go before that uh-huh. into the most disturbing scene that I remember from my childhood. And that's oh, on page seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is the one where they have just finished microwaving him, him yeah. on, you know, defrost setting mm-hmm. on the microwave. And... You see, it's got a couple of inset boxes. The first one is the eye slowly opening. The eye is getting bigger. And you see this mucus, green mucus, that's kind of half covering the eyelid. And then it pans out to him screaming with pain. The pain. Yeah. The pain. The pain. Yeah. Yeah, that that was on my list as well. It's it, there's a lot of really good yeah. art in this. There's a lot of neat things. It's it, this does a really great job of showing just how bad and how horrible everything is for him. Let's talk about speaking of horrible and terrible. Let's talk about childish insults. What do you got for rubber and glue moment backup? My backup is on page five, and it's Jack, and it's when they're uh, they've been put into their their crystal cages, and they can't use their pow- they can use their powers in them, but it's not working. And Alex and Julie are sniping back and forth at each other, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And uh, Jack is just like sick of it, and even the picture on that, he's all like, blah, you know, his tongue's out and he's rolling his blah, eyes. Blah blah. Yeah, and he's saying blah blah blah. The snarks gotta be feeding us oxygen, Katie, because they're using tons of it. And I just thought that was great. The blah, blah, blah. Yeah, the blah, blah, blah. And the they're just using enough oxygen and they're wasting it because I'm tired of them arguing. It's just, <laughs> uh, shut up, siblings. I'm going to go to Jackal. And this is on page eight. It's the top of panel. He is angry. He is lashing out at the red shirts. Oh, uh, yeah. Back, back, I tell you. Let Jackal slay those poisonous vipers. I like poisonous vipers. Yeah, yeah. That's a good one. It's uh, yeah. very vicious, very visceral, and it's childish. Yeah, it's childish, <laughs> but it's pretty great. What do you got? My first place one is on 13. Yeah, and same it's, here. Hey, is it is Marad? It Marad? Yeah, yeah, it's Marad. It's great. <laughs> it's fantastic. Uh-huh. It's it's the scene where uh, uh, Hodge has just brought the power kids in, and he's showing them off yeah. to Queen Marad, and her response to them, you know, and he's saying, it's like, oh, they've done all this damage to Jacqueline and everything. These hatchlings, Hodge. These pale, grubby, troublesome little worms. Pale, grubby, troublesome little <laughs> worms. I'm like, well, that's winning. I, I even had a little... I'm like, I wrote that down first on all my stuff. I'm like, that, that's, yep, that's that, the one. That's, that's the yep. one. Yep, that had mine too. It, just, it had everything in <laughs> it's there. It's pretty great, yep. And since we both agreed on the funniest thing, let's see if we can also agree on the stars in detention. Who's the best and worst child? Yeah, I have a feeling that we're going to be on the same page. So, starting with the old detention child. Who's in detention? Alex. Alex. Yeah, Alex. He's terrible. Using Katie as a weapon again? Yeah, and just yelling at her and constantly. And, you know, it's like Julie's all like, she's a baby. She doesn't, you know, she she doesn't, you know, she yeah. doesn't know better. And he's like, of course she doesn't know better. That's why I'm telling her to do stuff. She doesn't know if what I'm telling her is going to be horrible or scar of her life. Just, just. And he's not listening. Yeah. 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 Yep. 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 That yeah. the constant arguing, the constant yelling at Katie, and not just like Katie. You need, you know, part of it. One time, he does come up with some good ideas. Sure. He, you know, he's like, oh, this, you know. So you know, he's if you throw some, if you throw twenty things against the wall, one of them's gonna land. Yeah, he gets he gets a couple of good ideas in, but he gets a lot of yeah, the sniping, the arguing, the treating Katie poorly, and thinking about his girlfriend. Other than the fact that they're. St- Trapped in a crystal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, there's a lot of that too. Where it's like, oh, Allison. It's like now's the time to not worry about Allison and missing your dance time. date. Yeah. How about who's the best? Who's good? I'm hoping we're going to be on the same page, but I could see if we're not. I'm going to say Jack. We are on the same yeah! page. <laughs> we got a full table. We do. We got the full table. Nice. We got all the chairs. All the chairs tonight. Yeah, he was not feeling sorry for himself, was not bickering with siblings the entire time, and he had some good ideas. He came up with good ideas. Yeah, he was like, hey, Katie, what if you can uh, do this? What about this? And I also love the fact he, you know, to begin with, he was just perpetually like, Snarks, you've caught us, but you're going to want us to let us go now because it's going to go bad for you. Yeah. Trust me. You know, and so he was just like, it was kind of the threat, but it was an honest threat where it's like, it's going to get rough and it's going to be rough for right. you because we will get out and we will wreck you. 
Right. And they're not. But also then later when like stuff's going on, he's trying to bait. You know, it's like Jackal's free and he's trying yeah. to, he's literally baiting Jackal. He's it's like a good yeah, strategy perpetually. It's like, okay, that's, that's the weak link. If I bait him, he will attack us. We can get out of the crystals. We can go, we can, yeah. it'll be go time. And Jackal will be our, you know, we can, we can, I can bait him. Yes. You know? So he was like, I know how to get it under somebody's skin. And this kid, this guy's skin is blistered and thin. It's in pain already. I can, <laughs> I can poke that. Yeah. So yeah. Jack was great. Nicely said. Nicely said. Yeah. I don't think we have anything else to say on that one no. at all. I mean, Jack and Alex. Yep, there you go. G-Force, none. No, zero G-Force, but you can find that in space. Our uh, G-Average is 1.22, which is approaching the gravity of Neptune, which is great. So that is in space, too. But also, we are at a a combined G-Total of 28. And what's really neat about this, and I just found this out, is that that is the surface gravity of the sun. So if you're on the surface of the sun, our star, 28 Gs. Boom, right there. There you go. Yeah, so it's all... it's. It's all space-themed. It's all coming together nicely. Mm -hmm. I love it when gravity comes together. (laughs) And on that, let's talk about some top grades. We want to evaluate this against the rest of the series to figure out where it goes. Number one currently is Power Pack 19, and the bottom is Thor 363. Mm -hmm. 25 issues that we want to compare it against. Yep. I'd like to start the bidding off, see if you agree with this, and it might be a little, might seem a little low, but we've got a lot of good ones in here. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say that this is somewhere down in the 1718 range. Really? That's interesting. Um, and the reason why is because I was looking down the list and I wanted to see what we had that was similar where it's setting things up. Okay. And both Turning Point and Butterfinger are in that area of setting things mm-hmm. up. There's still good issues, and I was just looking kind of above, and I was like, I like the other stuff that's above there. This is a good issue. It's a good, solid issue. I just think it's setting things up for other things that are coming. Okay. It's a transition piece. I don't know. I, I could be I could be talked into going higher. Okay. Yeah. My original thought process was that number nine is trapped, which is the previous one with the uh, sledding and everything. And I was kind of I was almost like, well, I like trapped better than this. And I was I was thinking I'd put uh-huh. it in like the new number ten spot. But you do make an excellent point saying that it's kind of a transition to get to a meteor story. Right. Yeah. I kind of started the same way as like where well, we had trapped there. Mm-hmm. I still like fireworks better. It's a great. You know, slice of life, mm-hmm. fishtail, and sea hunt. I, I liked what those issues were doing. And I don't know. I, I I'd be willing to say it's the new number seventeen. I I'm not saying that this is a bad issue at all. Mm-hmm. I just think that this issue is going places. Okay. It's it's yeah. it's transitional. You've convinced me. Okay, let's put it in the new seventeen. Sounds good to me. That brings us to our beer. Final thoughts on the beer. How many power balls would we give the Queen of the Seven Kingdoms? Uh, it's. It's a fine beer. Yeah. Uh, I'm more than willing to drink it. It's it's kind of nice. It's not really all that tart. It does have, uh, you know, it's kind of like a lemon head kind of yeah. tartness level to it. It's pleasant. It's not what I would uh, go to all the time. So I'd give it a, a three and a half. Yeah, I'm I'm hovering in the same place. It's okay. It's I was good. thinking that you were gonna like it more than me. I usually do like sours a bit more, mm-hmm. but that the Belgian ale in there, it's an interesting mix. Yeah, it's 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 okay. It's fine. Yeah. I, I, it's pleasant enough. It's just, it's it's not my cup of tea, but I would yeah. definitely say it's a three and a half is a good good place for it. Yeah, and that is a great descriptor for it. It's mm-hmm. pleasant enough, <laughs> which is, it sounds uh, kind of demeaning, but at the same time, no, it's pleasant it's, enough. It's, it's it's fine. It's it's above average. Yeah, it's above average. It's so, I've definitely had things that I've liked better, but I've also definitely had things that I've liked worse. Yes, yes, yes. You know what I, is really nice, though? What's that? Hearing my daughter and I talk. Oh, you know, that is absolutely fantastic. And you know when would be a great time to do that? When? How about right now in our section called Kids Perspective? And that's where Rick and his daughter Carrie talk about this current issue. So let's hear Rick and Carrie talk for a bit. Hello, Carrie. How are you doing today? Good. Good. So we just finished reading Power Pack 23. What do you think about this? It has lots of snarks in it. And Katie was the most scared. Katie was really scared. Why was she so scared? Because she thought that she was a monster and she was like, I don't want to hurt anybody. Why does she think that? What's been happening to her in the past that makes her think that? It's because she she was using her powers to blast sound buildings and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And other people too, right? Yeah. A lot of people have used her before, right? Yeah. Who's used her kind of like a weapon before? Thor and... What about her family? Is there somebody in her family who's kind of used her like that? Alex? Yeah, Alex has used her like that. What is happening to the kids? They're going to take away their powers. And who are they going to give them to? Jackal. Is Jackal pretty scary? That's weird. 
Explain that. Like when they're trying to help him, he keeps escaping. Yeah, he doesn't really want to be helped, does he? Yeah. What does he want to do? He wants to fight. That's right. And do you think he's scared of the power kids or do you think he wants to hurt the power kids? Wants to hurt the power kids. Why do you say that? Because he kept like shooting guns at them. And that's just another thing that I don't want to talk about. You don't want to talk about them? I don't want to talk about the guns. In this story, there are guns. There are laser guns, right? Fine, fine, fine. If they're laser guns, that's fine. There are guns in the world, and we have to make sure that if you see a gun, well, you need to tell an adult, should make sure that you run away from the guns and don't touch the guns. Guns can be good sometimes. In this issue, they're not. They're being used to attack the power kids. But it's still okay to talk about them. It's okay to talk about it. I also want to explain this cover. You know those sick stickers they put on there? Yeah. Well, this one, instead of just having the four power pack kids, it has Franklin too. Good job for noticing that. Very good job. You've been, you've been kind of keeping track of that yourself, haven't you? Yeah. Very good. Really, I'm impressed. What do you think about that cover? It kind of explains what happen, what would happen in the, in the book, but it didn't exactly happen most. And it doesn't really show the truth, just it would show what would happen next issue. What we kind of talk about is is this evokes the feelings of what's happening in the book. It's not something that really happened, but it evokes the feelings of it. Yeah, so it has Jackal holding up three unconscious unconscious, um, power pack kids, Mm -hmm. and Katie just hiding behind something. I think it's kind of part of the crystal cage that she yeah. was in. Mm-hmm. She's hiding behind that, but it's not very good because no. it's so small. Now, you asked me a question while you were reading it. You wanted to know who my favorite in the book was and who my yeah. and who I didn't like. First, tell me who you liked and who you didn't like in the book. I have to say, I kind of liked Kitty because, because Alex and Julie were fighting when they were supposed to be making a plan to get out. And Jack was like... I can't think. These two are so annoying, which wasn't really helpful either. <laughs> so you think Katie was the best? Yeah. Who did you think was the worst? I can't tell. Well, both Jeff and I thought that Jack was the best because he wasn't arguing with his siblings, but he was trying to come up with some ideas yeah. and he was trying to help Katie out. Yeah. And then we thought that Alex was the worst because he's kind of the one that was really not being helpful. He kept yeah. talking about Allison. Yeah. Even if that's what he likes talking about, I don't think he should be talking about that, you know, while they're, like, in danger. Yeah, that is a very good point. You should be trying to think of a way out. And that's kind of what Jack was doing. He was like, well, try this, try this. And he was egging on Jackal to see if they could get Jackal to break them out. Yeah. It looks like at the end that the three kids are captured, right? Yeah. And it looks like something happened to Katie, right? Yeah, she fell down something. She fell down a big, big hole, didn't she? Yeah. Doesn't look good, right? You would. Yeah. That would injure you a lot if you fell down a big hole like that, right? Yeah. You were kind of wondering who those creatures were down there, yeah. weren't you? Mm-hmm. Fortunately, you got to read the next issue to find out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't worry. They tell you in the next issue. Okay. That's all I have for you. Do you have anything else? Um, no. Okay, I love you, Carrie. Love you, too. You know, sometimes, Jeff, you have a good idea, and that was a good idea. Yeah, I love hearing her tell us stories about uh, what what we've read and she's read. Let's talk about some shout-outs, because it's time to recognize those listeners who take the time to write in or leave us a review. And this is about our episode 27, when we interviewed the awesome Mark Sumerak. So from Twitter, AJ. Cannonball. Craig McNichols. Gibson. Who, after listening to episode 6, told us that he likes these Dragon Man issues. He also wanted to tell us in secret that he used to walk around his Scottish village saying G. And now he knows why he got confused and eye-rolling looks. Let's talk Power Pack. Mark Sumerak. Kind of nice that he liked his own interview. Yeah. <laughs> Matthew Birdsey. Mike Lawrence. Rustin LF. Sailor Bear Zodar who always loves hearing Mark talk about the inner workings of the comic business, and now also Cheese. Secret Wars and Beyond podcast. They wanted to say that the Power Pack minis from the mid-aughts are a true delight and are a great gateway for kids into comics. The Art Classroom. Tim Price. Warlock Thanos podcast. And on Facebook, Al Sedano. Christian Conkle. Who's that? My friend Chris. Okay. Cindy Heineken. My lovely wife. Keith Baker. Mark Sumerak. Mark Lungo. And Pat Sampson. And I want to do another special shout out to Gibson. He is the illustrator writer for Lloyd and the Bear. This weekend, he created a great parody, or is it a parody, 
of Power Pack. He took the characters and teddy bared them, making them the Paw Pack. He's also allowing us to place this on our website for this episode. Check it out. And thank you to Gibson for your awesome work. You should check out his website, LloydandTheBear.com. And also, be sure to check out another show that I'm on, Rick Meets the Legion. Nicholas Prom guides me through decades of old DC comics while we drink. Because seriously, that's the only way I can get through those kind of comics. You can find this on the Comic Reflections podcast. Jeff and Rick Present is a bi-weekly self-produced podcast recorded in front of one cat in Portland, Oregon. If you would like to interact with us through the magic of the internet, you can do so through Twitter at Jeff Rick Present, our Facebook page, Jeff and Rick Present, our email address, Jeff and Rick Present, all one word, at gmail.com, or at our website, Jeff and Rick Present.wordpress.com. And if you'd like to help support our show, we are on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com, Jeff and Rick Present, all one word. Please rate and review us on iTunes or Stitcher. Tell your friends about us or share your love for us on social media. And as always, we want to thank the wonderful women in our lives. My wife, Cindy, and our daughter, Carrie. My fiance, Hillary, and our daughter, Aurora. We, we love, love you. you. Until next time, costumes, costumes off. off. Our theme music is 80s action. Also featured in this episode is Hackbeat. All music is by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com and is licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license. It'll be a good night. Fantastic night. <clears throat> the captured kids currently coexist in clear crystal cages, confidently constructed, but dang it. I saw a K in there and it threw me. <laughs> yep. The little telltale. Yep. The little telltale is now ba ba ba. I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I love keeping you off. I'm such a jerk. <laughs> Oh, we're back to our show now. Okay. (laughs) Says you, whiny boy. Cry, baby. Whiny boy. Cry. Whiner. Baby. Old man. Kind of like sour cream. (laughs) (laughs) Like a tuna salad left in the sun. (laughs) (laughs) Like devil eggs out on a hot, hot picnic. (laughs) Like anything in my fridge. Like my underwear. <laughs> yeah, they... What? <laughs> <laughs> but they're sentient. <laughs> they turn on me. Murad they're... calls... They were Mar- hit by the AllSpark. <laughs> <laughs> Jackal is tackled by another guard snark. No. Snark is snarky snark snarked. I already did the joke. Yeah. What? <laughs> ah. Insert crack a thum, which is oh. an awesome sound. <laughs> <coughs> Put my comic away. I'm wondering what you're doing. Yeah, I forgot what was going on. I forgot the step. I mean, we've only done, you know, 30 <coughs> episodes. <laughs> yeah, but we've done three interviews. Chancellor Hodge leads. <coughs> and that's the show, everybody. <laughs> and that's the show.